Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today, we're talking about season seven, episode 10, Lost in Las Vegas. Mary, what happened this week? Brandon does not go to Las Vegas. Brandon goes to the peach pit to complain about price increases and happens upon a damsel in distress. Purse stolen by a guy on rollerblades, Melanie Harold from Chagrin Falls, Ohio has no ID, no money, and no idea where to find her fiancé. They're getting married. But fear not, the proof angels exists, Brandon Walsh proclaims, for you shall eat thy fill of free breakfast and after gain passage to wherever it is you're supposed to go in my car. Melanie eventually remembers where she was supposed to go to meet her fiancé, but when she and Brandon arrive at the motel, he's already checked out. By the time they make it to Casa Walsh, though, Phil the fiancé is calling and will come to pick Melanie up. But then, when he gets there, he tells her he fell in love with someone else on his second day in California and they can't get married anymore. Bye. After a bit of bonding over bad ends to relationships over wine and candlelight, Brandon buys Melanie a ticket home. But she says she's going to come back. Caitlin, does she come back? (laughs) She does not come back. I fucking knew it. (laughs) At first, when she said the name, her name was Melanie, I was like, oh, I remember that name. No, (laughs) I was very wrong. (laughs) Yeah, she had a, like a face that made me think mm-hmm. like oh she'll come back like we do keep having all of these women show up in Brandon's life and be like I'm gonna see you again sometime yep and I feel like I never learn where I'm like is she will she come back she is a friend in California now and honestly that's a hard thing to find like if you're just passing through you know California is a big state yeah I mean Like Mary so pointedly brought back up, proof that angels exist, Brandon Walsh was just there. She got robbed outside the peach pit. (laughs) Like, if you're going to get robbed, that's the place to do it with investigative reporter Brandon Walsh, regular guy from Minnesota. Future president of these here United States. (laughs) He cannot make up his mind about whether or not he wants a career in politics, and I... I relate so much that he's spending his 20s being like, I don't know, maybe. Actually, I think I'm going to do it. But like, mm, do I really want to be a Rhodes Scholar in law school? (laughs) Right? I feel like he's having the classic, like, not quarter life, but college age crisis of everybody who's ever said, maybe I'll go to law school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my crisis was, I don't know what I should do. And my dad said, be an accountant. So I did. Hey. And that is a very lucrative profession, and I became a journalist psychology major who ended up not doing any of those things. (laughs) I was going to say, you have two degrees. I have two degrees and nothing to show for it. (laughs) Well, you know who else doesn't have anything to show for himself? Steve. Steven Sanders. Steven Sanders. Anthony Sanders. I made up his middle name. That's what his middle name is. I like it, though. Yeah. But, yeah, we open this episode with Brandon and Steve in the kitchen. And Steve is going to Vegas, as 
the episode title says. And like Mary said, Brandon's not going. He just doesn't want to go to Vegas. But for some reason, despite what I think should be the obvious choice, he decides to open up one of his own term papers on the computer so that Steve can look at it for formatting. Yeah, formatting, plagiarizing, same thing, you know, in in, in the world of, of Steve. And honestly, I kind of love just the window into the past of, of Macs back then, you know, because it was so clearly a Mac. And yeah, just the like shifting down to pick the correct paper. And it just is titled Brandon's Paper. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, okay, no, being in my career for as long as I have, like everything is titled with the date, my initials, what exactly it is and a brief description. If everything was called Ariel's Paper, <laughs> I'd have Ariel's paper, Ariel's paper parenthesis one, Ariel's paper parenthesis mm-hmm. two, all the way down. Probably what I did as a child. Yeah, probably. But I also saved so many things and never opened them again. I'm confident. Or like even right when autosave started to become a thing, I have accidentally like saved over, you know, so many different things in my life. And the fact that also Steve did not save another copy of Brandon's paper after he changed his name on the paper to say Steve Sanders. I'm like, you ain't sneaky, bro. Like if you're going to plagiarize, you got to be a lot more sneaky. And I don't know what the word I'm tactful about this. You know, he literally just like erases Brandon's name and puts his own. I don't even know if he saved it. I have no idea if he saved it or if he literally just like printed and then closed it. Yeah. But he also made a comment like he had already written a paper and just needed to format it and then was like, but I'll take Brandon's A instead of my whatever. Mm-hmm. You already spent the time. Yeah, exactly. He didn't need to. But that literally, like, nothing comes of that. I mean, long story short, on this paper, Steve prints it out, calls months to – come get his paper and deliver it to his class on Monday should Steve not return from Vegas in time Mm -hmm. and tasks Munts and Brandon with the handoff, but it's in an envelope. So Brandon never sees it. Yeah, exactly. And so for all we know, the delivery was, you know, flawless and Steve could not, you know, care any less about this and just trust Brandon and Munts with his life and his paper, his quote unquote paper. And yeah. That's that's all for that. Yeah, because, you know, Brandon pulls up this paper for him and then presumably leaves immediately to go to the peach pit for breakfast, I mm-hmm. guess, and just complains about the prices very loudly in front of everyone for a while. Yeah, he's complaining about, like, the fact that he's been ordering the same thing off the same menu for the last six years, but then he's not complaining about the food. He's complaining about the prices of the food. And I'm like, sir, have you never heard of inflation? (laughs) Does he not remember how like three seasons ago Nat almost went out of business? Mm Mm-hmm. The amount of times Nat has almost lost his business and Brandon is complaining about price increases blows my mind. This scene as a whole to me was so weird. Like by the time I got to the end of the scene, I was like, why is this scene cringy? Like, why am I over here uncomfortable watching this scene? 
It was uncomfortable. I mean, Melanie like plays uncomfortable because she got robbed and she's like in yeah. a state of shock. But then Brandon like inserts himself in the conversation, keeps talking about the prices, even yeah. though nothing's happening with the prices. And yeah, I think it was like the Brandon inserting himself until it was like Nat being like, oh, yeah, me and Brandon here are going to help you. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that they kept saying the words like everything will be OK. Like it was. It was that the fact that her city name that she's from is Chagrin Falls, which is a real place. And that's fine. But it was just coupled with the everything is going to be OK. We have you. Almost like she stepped into this, like, Stepford, Los Angeles. But also Brandon's kind of trying to be, like, this is such a, 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 it's so common this season and, quite frankly, the last couple of seasons of Brandon to kind of, like, be a little jokey at times. And I'm almost like, okay, Brandon, tone it, tone it down a little. She just got robbed and has no idea where she's supposed to be going, like, don't be so hokey about the prices. Let's take some care <laughs> here. And I don't know. I was just like, what is happening? This whole storyline, quite frankly, was weird. It was very weird. Like, I get what they were doing. But, yeah, the beats kind of messed with me. Yeah. And, yeah, I ended up not really writing that much about this scene because it was just like, I don't really know how to react to the way that Brandon's like, doing things and mm -hmm. even Nat like she orders a cup of coffee and it's like I actually don't want coffee and Nat goes it's the best coffee on the west side and then Brandy like sp nearly spits his coffee out yeah I was like <laughs> is this what? a comedy exactly like I was like this is kind of a serious topic a girl being mugged and robbed but it's slapstick comedy I do feel like they're making a joke about it because she got robbed by a guy on rollerblades, but like yeah, that too. I have seen people on the belt line going fast on rollerblades. Yeah. If I got robbed by somebody on rollerblades, I'm not catching them. No, certainly not. And like, so, oh, go ahead. Sorry. So watching this, like, I was a hundred percent suspicious of Melanie. Like, yeah, also I thought she was gonna like rob him or something or whatever, and. Just, I feel like I'm wondering now if all of the weirdness we're sensing in that like scene was the writer's choice to show us that nothing bad is going to happen in this story. Yeah, that's a good point. That's but it just point. comes across as really creepy and weird. Yeah, yeah, and, and just kind of the whole um, concept of the storyline in general, because like there was so much whiplash. It's it literally starts with her. Melanie not knowing if she wants a cup of coffee or not, right? Mm -hmm. It was that. And then when Brandon takes Melanie to the hotel to find her fiance, he apparently, like when they get here, he apparently left without leaving a message or calling her beforehand or something like that. And so Brandon immediately was just like, come on, you're staying with me, you know? And Again, he repeats, like, this is Los Angeles. Nothing bad ever happens here. And then literally, like, sirens are going off. And he's like, almost nothing bad happens here. It was just like, what am I watching? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, the show has conditioned us to assume the worst in random oh, for people. for sure. For sure. Because all I could think about, especially when she got to the motel and her, 
you know, quote unquote fiance had already checked out and not left a message and nothing. Yeah. Like at first I thought they were at the wrong place. Then he was there, but he checked out. I was like, she's conning you. She's going to rob yeah. you. This is Dylan and his family. Suzanne. Yeah. 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 No, I got mad like Suzanne vibes from her. And it's not just because they share the same hair color. It was just that kind of like, why are you here again? Like, you know, how did this happen? Yeah. I also want to say this is why I have like made John memorize phone numbers in the past. Oh, yeah. You got to know a phone number. You got to have something memorized. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, John can't get anywhere in the city without Google Maps. Oh, yeah. I mean, I relate to that so hard. My situational awareness and spatial awareness is non-existent. Like, I get turned around all the time. (laughs) Yeah. No, I've told him repeatedly. I'm like, you have to memorize at least my phone number and then everything else you can forget. Then I made our our uh, Kroger card my phone number, so he has no choice. Nice. That's smart. <laughs> but, yeah, Brandon has just, like, taken Melanie into his life now. Like, mm-hmm. he still had things to do that day, so I think it's really funny that he's like, yeah, you're going to come home with me. By the way, we have to run all my errands first. It's fine. Because he takes her – to see you because he has to stop by the studio and pick something up from the control room where he walks in on Mark and Kelly kissing that he's clearly not ready for and to the point that Melanie can tell like she's known him for like two hours and she's just like oh what was that yeah and this is like the first legitimate confirmation that we've gotten that Brandon's uncomfortable with the Kelly and Mark situation because like I think he probably knew that they were dating or at least had gone on dates but he obviously has not seen them be together until now and so yeah clearly he's uncomfortable by it and I just gotta say I also don't know how in the world Melanie figured out Kelly's name because she says it later and I'm like y'all were never introduced he never said her name you know like what's good like again the condition to think the worst like there's gonna be a car accident in boyhood nope they get their safety like safely like it's you know it's so conditioned I will literally never forget the scene in boyhood when they're like throwing saws around yeah I'm like, surely they're going to get cut. Somebody's arm's going to get chopped off. Nope. Everything was fine. Everything was fine. Patricia Arquette comes in and is like, what are y'all doing? (laughs) Like, And it's the same thing here. They just go back to Casa Walsh and Phil calls. Yeah, magically. the hotel, got her number or got Brandon's number where she was staying and called to come pick her up. Yeah. And that's the, this is the whiplash that I'm talking about. I'm like, wait, so where did Phil go? If he checked out two days ago, where's he been? Yeah, it was just so weird. And also, why did Melanie come now when Phil checked out two days ago? It doesn't take two days to get from Ohio? Yeah. Is that where she's from? Yeah. Yeah. Ohio to California by plane. (laughs) Did they just, like, not talk for two days? He's like, yeah, I'm totally at this hotel. And then he just fell in love with this woman that he found and ghosted her for two days. And she's like, well, that's weird. But I guess I'll see him when I get there. That's what I'm saying. It's so weird. And, like, why didn't he pick her up at the airport? Exactly. If he was still in L.A., why didn't he pick her up? 
And that's the other thing. He comes to the to Brandon's house and walks in like he's Mel, like runs to her full fairy tale style, picks her up, hugs her hard, cheesing like crazy to break up with her. Immediately. <laughs> we only see Phil for that scene. Yeah. Then Brandon gets the call for months, and by the time he comes back in, maybe a minute has passed, the front door is shutting, and Phil has dumped his fiance. I didn't even clock if she was wearing a ring. I have no idea. I was too focused on the fact that it was weird to me that she was upstairs. Oh. Why was she upstairs in somebody <laughs> else's house when she knew Phil was coming? Oh, my gosh. See, like, what is – are we going to learn that Melanie never actually existed? <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone's going to come back and be like, Brandon, we didn't see you at the studio. You didn't do anything. Yeah. Like, you remember – I think you – no. Have you – you've not gotten there. In Dawson's Creek, where they tell the four different ghost stories. I don't think I've gotten to the ghost story one, no. Okay, that's – episode will forever scare me forever and ever and Great. ever i can never watch it again but you know i'm a scaredy cat but there's a one jack's particular scary story makes me think of this storyline i'm like we're gonna learn that melanie never existed and she was just a ghost like brandon had been looking at a yearbook or something found a picture of somebody that he didn't know that vaguely resembled melanie and that's who she was like what because then She's basically here to tell Brandon to follow his dreams. That's why she's here. Oh, my God. She's the angel. That's, yeah, we got it wrong. The proof that well, angels exist is Melanie. No, the proof that angels exist is Brandon. And then Melanie came to see him to make him a believer. Everyone else believes around him. She does use God in a sense. Yes. And Brandon just kind of awkwardly smiles at her. I, I noticed that. I was like, she says God, and I got a little scared. <laughs> I was like, we already had a cult story. We don't need that. Right. But then she goes straight into like, I don't believe in dreams anymore. And then Brandon has to make her believe in dreams again. Yeah. By stating his dreams of going to law school, applying for a Rhodes Scholarship, thinking about a career in politics, perhaps the presidency. Who knows? He wants also, to get are you still in love with Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> Like, what? And then he says, in some way. It's like, in a sister way, like you said in season one? Like, <laughs> yeah, I just, I also, this is another one where this scene was going on. And in my notes, I'm just like, okay, what's the plan here? Like, do we go to the DMV tomorrow? Do we go to the cops and try and, like, get a sketch of this guy on rollerblades does she sleep on their couch for a week what are we doing yeah that's the thing she can't fly back to chagrin falls without a driver's license so i was wondering about that because this is pre 9-11 and i just don't know the rules because i was oh, a kid good point but i think you need some i mean at least some form of identification right i would assume so because you know they need to get they need to know that your ticket is yours when you get on the yeah. plane so that like I'm not handing them a ticket that says Caitlin, and I'm like, yeah, I'm here. What? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I was wondering about that. I was like, how does she get home now? Like, does somebody wire her money? She's got to have parents in Chagrin Falls. Why didn't she call anyone in Chagrin Falls who, like, had her information? 
Right. Like, you save copies. She can't go to a bank. She has no, like, ATM card. She doesn't have any checks on her. Like, what's the plan? (laughs) (laughs) I went down a whole rabbit hole. I was like, I have to know what's happening. And then the next day, they're just like, Brighton and bought her a plane ticket. It's fine. So, yeah, that's fine. But, like, how did he know her information? Because he would have had to have known some inf- – like, her last name. <laughs> <laughs> like, some information to get the ticket, right? I mean, they must have, like, sat in the kitchen on speakerphone booking this and then, like, he just used his credit card number or something. But, again, like, yeah, what's the plan here? You put her on the plane. She gets back to Chagrin Falls. She's in exactly what the place that she was. She can't call anybody to pick her up from the airport. She can't pay for a cab. Yeah. Chagrin Falls, in the last census, had 3,000 residents. I looked it up. Surely it's not near the airport. Like, this poor girl's life. But she has met Brandon Walsh, who is proof that angels exist and it's just like you know what i'm gonna have my california dream i'm gonna go back to chagrin falls and save up money and move back here again this just ends up being the disney channel original movie horse sense where (laughs) joey lawrence is the rich guy who has to go spend his summer on the ranch with matt lawrence (laughs) oh my god oh Anyway, yeah, this storyline, entertaining to say the least. Random to say more. (laughs) Full of so many things I don't understand as an elder millennial. How did planes work in the 90s? Right? Did they have to, like, use a a turn style (laughs) thing? (laughs) Like, you know, those old sewing thing looms? (laughs) They had to power the plane with a crank. <laughs> I feel like you should have just put her on a train or something. Oh, yeah. That would work. They don't check IDs on trains. I know that. <laughs> yeah, you literally just hop right on. Or a bus. God, that'd be brutal. But I'd... <laughs> Doesn't even, like, buy her a book. Just puts her on a bus. <laughs> yeah. She's just, like, walking up there with nothing. <laughs> like... Hey, Wait. you know did she not have a suitcase? Like, how long was she planning on staying in L.A.? She had nothing. So in the scene where Brandon takes her to the motel, yes. he, like, carries her suitcase with him. That's and I'm just right. like, oh, I guess the rollerblader couldn't carry all of it. <laughs> <laughs> just took the purse. Yeah, I forgot and about that bag. Yeah, me too. What happened to that bag? What's in that bag? Watch there nothing be in that bag. Because <laughs> she's not real. <laughs> uh, the motel never existed. Oh my god. Yeah, and there's also this weird moment where Phil calls a second time to apologize for everything and ask for Melanie back, which is like not even a 24 hour turnaround time of leaving your fiance and regretting Mm-mm. it. And then like Mm-mm. a 48 hour turnaround of cheating on her. Yeah. It was weird. What a catch. I didn't even look up, like, if they cast anyone as Phil or if they were just like, is anyone on the set? Like, (laughs) can you just, like, walk in real quick? Oh, my God. 
hey, Mark, can we use you real quick? <laughs> or whatever his name is in real life. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what? We only need one camera right now. Uh, camera two. Yeah. Come here. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, that's that's it. Brandon met a girl from Chagrin Falls, Ohio, who goes back to Chagrin Falls, Ohio. She's going to spend more time on the plane than she spent in California. Seriously, though. Like, I feel like she should have at least gotten a day to go see the Hollywood sign. Ugh. Anyway. Mary, what else happened this week? Mark signals Kelly every morning at the same time for like a week until one morning she picks up the phone. He asks if he's told her lately that he loves her and she's like, yes, you've been signaling me every morning at the same time for like a week. He tells her about his plans to spend the whole weekend with her and she's like, okay, sure. After a little bit of getting caught touching noses in the news station's control room by Brandon, they eat a bunch of sushi and spoon on the couch. And Mark's like, hey, we're going to bang. It's just a matter of when. And Kelly's like, your sheets suck. Here's better ones. <laughs> True story. <laughs> I tried so hard to care about this relationship this entire episode. Literally in my notes, I can tell where I'm trying. And I'm like, oh, he loves her and he wants to spend the weekend with her. That's so sweet. But then I'm also like, he calls her every day at the exact same time to hang up. Oof. why like yeah he's gotta be pissing people off and if it's like you know say saturday morning or like you know nobody really seems in a rush to do anything or get to school mm -hmm. but like what time is he calling is he waking people up right probably i mean i don't know all i know is that this relationship will not last because of what we know about the behind the scenes but also Kelly has not said I love you back, so. I also noticed that she refuses to make decisions about things. She keeps saying, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yep. She and bought him new sheets, and she was like, I don't know if I'll be spending more time here, but if I do, you have sheets. And even when he was trying to spoon with her, she was like, no, no, the couch is too small. Like, she's clearly not really that into him. Yeah. I think she just likes the attention, which is fair. Like, I totally understand. We've all mm -hmm. been in those relationships where you just – you like the attention, you're you're trying to feel things out, but you're not as far into that relationship as the other person is. Like, totally understandable. But also, I'm like, maybe you need to be alone for a little while, Kelly. You know, like, work on yourself, learn more about yourself. That's kind of where I am is, like, she and Brandon are kind of doing the same thing where Brandon mm -hmm. has told Tracy he wants to keep it casual. Mm -hmm. And Kelly clearly wants to keep it casual with Mark, but she hasn't said it. And so Mark is falling in love with her and dialing her phone number all the freaking time. Mm -hmm. Like, if Kelly goes missing and they pull Mark's phone records, he's screwed. Yeah. No like, kidding. It's just weird. And the fact that he has to be like, You'll sleep with me eventually. Just you wait. I'm like, well, that would make me want to be like, huh, want to bet? Like, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, if I, like if I heard somebody have the audacity to say that to me, I'd be like, you don't understand my willpower. <laughs> so like, yeah, you know, Kelly is just sitting here being like, oh, really? Because you don't know Kelly Taylor. Exactly. Like, yeah, but you're you're right. She can't make a decision when it comes to him you know she does decide to buy him sheets and i'm like 
I appreciate you wanting to like, if you are going to sleep with him, have a good experience, right? Like I'm not really huge into sheets, but like if Mark's sheets were really that bad, sure. I would contribute to that, you know, or I would at least be like, Hey man, can you get some new sheets? But yeah, she just can't, she can't make up her mind. Yeah. And that's really it with them. Mark is like head over heels with her and she's just like, eh, eh, I had too much sushi. Don't touch me. <laughs> yeah. Which, been there. <laughs> and see, I was just like, no such thing as too much sushi. Well, Sorry. Sure. There is <laughs> such a thing as too much sushi for that. Yeah. <laughs> for fresh sheets. Yes. Exactly. Which, yeah. When he gets the sheets and he's like, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. All right, Mary. What else happened this week? Steve puts his name on one of Brandon's term papers and asks Munz to hand it in for him if he isn't back in time from his trip to Vegas. Also, Claire and Val are going, and David is paying for all of it. When they arrive, Claire finds something interesting about their hotel room number. She gets a feeling about it, and she's bringing it with her to the casino after we watch Ray's band do stuff. Even after she and Steve lose money following Claire's hunch, Claire continues to listen to the numbers until she figures it out. They go back to the casino, make friends with a cowboy, and win enough money to buy some fancy wine. My favorite part of this story is that Claire just walks away. Yeah, right? But she follows the hunch. Mm-hmm. Like. I actually kind of love how they ended up tying the 3003 together. Yep. Um, Because I thought it was so clever, and I didn't think of it either. So I'm like, ooh. Because, like, I don't know that I would have said that the hotel room number was 3003 mm-hmm. or 3003 or, you know, 3003, like Steve did, you know, 300, mm-hmm. like all that, like whatever combination it was. So, yeah. And also, I just love Claire. Like, I love Claire. Please never leave me. I just, yeah, I love that she sees the numbers, they go downstairs and it doesn't work out. She's like, no, no, I can get this right. And then she bets just long enough to like win enough money for this fancy wine. And then she's like, hunch is over. Let's go drink our winnings. Yeah, exactly. And I also love, like, I will say there's one thing that Steve has learned and it's that Claire is always right, but (laughs) not so much that, but more that. He is going to participate. He like if Claire wants to do something, he's not gonna like put it down anymore. He's gonna like listen to her and be like, Yeah, I'll go along with this. Like if you feel this strongly, sure, let's do it. You know, he's a little bit more on board um with stuff, whereas in the past he was a lot more self centered. So that is one teeny tiny notch in favor of Steve, but then he completely washes washes it all away with his little plagiarizing thing. Yeah, as crappy as the stealing the term paper was, mm-hmm. like, I do appreciate that he takes the back seat when they're at the table and, like, Claire's the one putting the bets down. He's like, let's bet more money. And she's like, no, no, we stick to the three. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, like, push her or fight her or, like, try and do a competing bet. Like, he's not starting a fight with this. And then they meet the cowboy who just appears long enough to be like, I like your style, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am. Well, I was going to say Claire, but he doesn't know who Claire is. He doesn't is. know. He's not Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, Melanie has papers. She has done research. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love how like Claire figures it out too, because she's like, they're not betting correctly per her hunch because they're losing. Mm-hmm. When they get back in the hotel room, Steve just like innocently kisses Claire's neck three times, and she's like, wait, 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 do that again. <laughs> and and Steve's mind, he's probably thinking, well, sure, <laughs> yeah, right. And then he does it, and she's like, one, two, three. Like, she's so Rain Man, like, in her head. <laughs> and I love it. So they, like, immediately run back. And, yeah, and then it all comes together. It's so – it's so Claire. Like, I, I just love how Claire it is because it's, like, the $3 bet on green double zero, and then she does it exactly three times, and, like, we're done. It's I- – it's so wonderful. It's so perfect. And I love that even the guy, like, spinning the roulette spinner thing. <laughs> I don't – Official official gambling terms. <laughs> I know nothing. I've been to Vegas once for a couple mm-hmm. of hours, and I was sick. I had a cold. So, oh. like, nothing. I played the slots for a few hours. I saw a pet and teller do a show. Nice. And that was it. But – I love that she goes to tip him and he's just like, you're a wonder. I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't see it. And I love like that you almost think it's going to go sideways and be this whole like, oh, are you counting cars or whatever it is you could possibly do in roulette when it's a 50-50 shot pretty much for every single bet. And it totally wasn't. It was just like, wow, that's impressive. And then as soon as she gets up to leave, he's like, you seem like a real nice gal. I mean, she doesn't say that, but like he doesn't say that, but. I would. <laughs> I feel like that's what the cowboy was thinking. Was that's like, that's right. a real nice lady over there. That's right. Oh, man. Yeah, and I mean, everything else that happens with them is really David-centric, kind of, even mm-hmm. though they do absolutely nothing. Yeah. So shall we talk about our poor boy David? Yeah, let's do it. David's high mood continues from driving at dangerous speeds, pounding glass after glass of champagne, and gambling till this casino gets boring and he decides to find a new one. Unfortunately, Valerie has had enough of babysitting him, especially because he keeps telling her not to because that's what Donna does. She lets him wander off into the night. He meets a couple of gals outside and invites them to the new casino with him. His treat. The girls ask him to stop at their hotel first for a couple of drinks, and I'm sure he thinks this is another couple of Mary's situation, except their names are Linda and Gail, and they rob him blind. The next morning, the Vegas gang gets an earful from Ray about not being better friends, which, okay, I mean, he's (laughs) right, but okay, Ray calls Donna because she's the only person David wants to see. She flies out to comfort him and tells him she'll never let this happen to him ever again. Okay, this is totally unrelated, but when you said the names Linda and Gail, I just realized, despite writing them in my own notes, that those are the names of Linda Belcher and her sister Gail in Bob's Burgers. Nice. I hope they're the same people. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine watching Linda and Gail try and do a con in Vegas? Go to Vegas at all. (laughs) Kaylin, I don't know if you've ever watched Bob's Burgers. I have not. not. uh, So 
Linda is Bob's wife, works at the restaurant with him. Gail is her sister who is like low-key agoraphobic and loves doing paintings of cat buttholes. Oh my gosh. How random. It's a whole thing. She only draws the back of cats and like very clearly puts the butthole on the painting. (laughs) That's awesome. But that is not the Linda and Gail and we are not talking about Bob's Burgers. (laughs) Unfortunately, we're talking about David Silver and how – he picked, like, the worst group of people. Like, the best group for a trip to Vegas, the worst group of people when you need something. Yeah, and it's just, like, there's a little bit of information that is missing from the whole gang. Like, you know, we don't know how much the rest of the gang knows about David's mom we don't know about what he's been going like we don't know how many people know his how much he's been drinking you know like some of the behaviors so it's like there's a little bit of information that's missing mm-hmm. but valerie has been around david when he's been going through stuff like lest we forget the um oh gosh can't remember the title of the episode but remember when she took him to that oh place to- yeah was that lover's leap or something yes. like that yes i think that was it but, like, yeah. so she's been around him when he's been in in a bad way, right? Mm-hmm. So you would think some of this behavior would start to look familiar. I mean, literally, like, he's – the first thing he does is call her to make sure that everybody else is going to be ready to go so he doesn't have to stand around and, and, like, do small talk, I guess. But he's not even ready yet. And he's fast talking, like, you know, immediately, like, talking a mile a minute. Yeah, and he's having trouble having, like, a meaningful conversation. Like, Mm -hmm. she tries to thank him for basically saving her with the club, and he's like, yeah, 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 fine. I booked us a really nice hotel room. Just, like, make sure everybody is ready. Yeah. And then – Exactly. Okay, when we get the shot where they're driving down, you know, whatever road is to get to Vegas, and he just decides to floor it after everyone's telling him to stop and he like takes his hands off the wheel and turns around like still nobody yeah i mean claire's freaking out when they're just about going 80 then much less when they you know get to 100 like that was a weird directing twist to like show them putting on their seatbelts i was like were you not buckled beforehand that's what i wrote i was like why does everyone have to buckle up we had the law by now like yeah click it or take it my friend (laughs) yeah that's right But yeah, that's like example number two in a very short amount of time. And then as soon as they get to um, to Las Vegas, David and Val check into the room and it's a massive suite. David immediately tips the bellhop and Val just kind of like turns a blind eye to it. She's like super pumped. She wants to sleep in the main bed. All she wants to do is like apparently get into bed with David because she keeps flirting. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to go gamble because apparently if he gambles 10 grand, then the room is free. So 10 grand. Oh yeah. I wrote that down. I was like, that's a lot of money. And Val even says it too. She's like, that's a lot of money to gamble. Yeah. I think, yeah. What's really interesting to me, you know, we find out that Donna did not go because she's Mm -hmm. sitting at the beach apartment when Kelly wakes up after Mark has called her and woke her up. And Okay, I can't get over the Mark calling. Like, how many times have Claire and Donna picked up the phone and been like, hello? And he's like, no, no, I didn't get my three rings. Yeah, don't answer. 
I'm playing a game here. <laughs> but she says that she didn't go because David always gets mad at her and says she acts like his mother and they like start in a fight. And I just kind of wish if she knew that he was going to Vegas where someone who's not going through what David is going through with the amount of money that he has at his mm -hmm. expense, like – I feel like she should have told somebody. She should have told Val or she should have told Claire, her roommate, like, hey, do me a favor and keep an eye on him. A hundred percent, especially because like literally last episode, Donna mentions to Kelly like about his mom and how his mom has manic depression and it could run in the family. And That's she just like in this particular scene kind of blows it off and says, it's all about the money. You know, it's like because he's got all this money and he's just going to blow it and it's really gone to his head, blah, 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 blah. But don't worry. Steve and Claire won't let him do anything stupid. And I'm like, but they don't understand. They Nobody don't know. knows. Yeah, it it bothers me. And kind of like we'll get to it with Ray. It's weird. Yeah, and I'm also curious, like, because obviously – I don't know a lot about manic depression or mania in general or depression in general or any of it, but I'm also curious because like Claire and David dated for a while. So would there possibly have been signs before this or, you know, could manic depression or, or, or um, um, spells of mania, are they typically triggered by something? You know, like, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but it's like, I, I just wonder if there's there's a trigger or there's like almost like little clues along the way. Um, I can actually speak to this. Um, but yeah, like they can be triggered by stressful situations and especially prolonged stress. Mm -hmm. um, like I would guess that um, David's is probably – most influenced by the death of his grandfather mm -hmm. and just what grief does to you. And that's just how his brain is responding to this stress, basically. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like they can just happen at random, but people do tend to cycle through, um, depend like, and it just depends on the person, like how rapidly. Yeah the swings are or happen or how close together or whatever. Yeah. That makes sense. I just wonder if there's some way that Claire and and I don't want to put anything on anybody else. Like it's not up to Claire to to decide if if David is experiencing this. But yeah. I just mm -hmm. I'm curious as one of I mean David I mean yeah, David dated both Val and Claire. So, you know, is it possible that you know, he could have been experiencing some of the same signs when they dated. I think so. Um, just in, I think it's this season, um, David's like just super work motivation, mm -hmm. how he was just like obsessed with it and like pushing and pushing and wanting to work hard and ups like frustrated with Donna for not mm -hmm. being on the level of productivity that he wanted to be like that could definitely have been a sign of 
like another manic episode, probably not as high a swing, but there was definitely the irritability there. And that's a really common um, symptom of like mania or hypomania. Yeah. No, I was, I was thinking that too, of like, he's probably shown signs of this before and this is the first time it's been as big as it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they make comments that like, oh, the money changed him. But I think the reason it's able to be as big and obvious is because he has all the money to burn. Yeah. Because he's done big things before. It's just people didn't see it as much. Well, yeah. I mean, he's 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 fallen into meth. He has dropped out of school. The way he treated his dad and Donna and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like I think it's interesting Because you're right. It's not on Val or Claire or Steve or anybody to, like, babysit him. Yeah. But on the other side of that, they are his friends. And I feel like when you see a change in someone, like, you at least have to, like, take note of it. And they're just writing it off. Like, nobody even says anything other than Steve saying it's the money. Yeah. I mean, literally, it's like if your friend is acting differently than they normally do or than what you're used to, Perhaps it should be acknowledged or somebody should acknowledge it to someone, you know? Um, Yeah. I think that's the thing is like everyone just seems to write it off except Ray Mm -hmm. who hasn't seen David in a while. And also when he saw David, they didn't get along at all. Like, yeah. And he's all being buddy, buddy with him and like, Hey man, you got to come back to the pee pad. We'll pay you double. Yeah. Also, Like, okay, I know that Jamie Walters got really screwed with the abuse storyline. Like, they had no idea that that was an irredeemable thing in the eyes of fans and that they were going to, like, destroy him by making him do this. But it also feels so disingenuous to me to bring him back to try and salvage it, I think, is what they're doing. And just everybody is okay with him. Like, Val watched Ray push Donna down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously we had that one episode, you know, a little while ago, last season, the end of last season, I guess, where, you know, we saw he's engaged to Marisol Nichols and during the same season where he tried to sue Joe. Yeah, like there's been lots of movement. I think you're right. It was it was all just a a, a way to get Jamie Walters some positive um, yeah appearances or something because some good good vibes because we actually do see him perform in this episode it's not cut out if you would have told me earlier i never would have believed you like i'd be like i gotta see it for myself i I would be like the 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 spinner roulette guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i was in shock i was not expecting him to show up and actually play and we get like a full song i know and yeah, he's singing and playing guitar. We see the full band, like it's a vibe. But the entire time, like yeah, David's still experiencing this episode, pounding champagne, trying to get everybody else to drink with him. Keep, you know, and he's putting all this on his tab. Mm-hmm. Um and all that. And then after like Steve and Claire go to do their roulette stuff, Val is kind of still hanging with David this whole time. It's kind of become this just like paired off situation. Mm -hmm. And they go to play blackjack and Val then 
I feel like is starting to sense something's going on Mm -hmm. because she's like, he keeps winning at blackjack and she goes, I wouldn't believe it if I didn't see it, but the more you drink, the more you win. And then David says he's not that drunk, but clearly he is. But also that he is just going to give Val 500 bucks to bet. And if she wins, she can keep it. If not, he will just eat it. And I'm like, okay, that's another warning sign. Yeah. And I feel really bad for Val in this scene Mm -hmm. because, like, yeah, when he's like, I'm not drunk, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm having a good time. And it's very clear that Val is not. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's starting to realize that he's getting too drunk. She needs to, like, try and de-escalate him Mm -hmm. and get him back into the suite, eat something, go to bed. And he does not want to be babysat. And he's getting really, like, kind of belligerent about it. And she just has to kind of take it. Like, she doesn't know how to deal with the situation. She truly, despite dating him last year, I feel like she barely knows David. And she especially does not know this David. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we remember David and Val's relationship. It was very short-lived. And to be honest with you, I really actually don't remember why they broke up. I know Val did something. Oh, was she, it because she, she gave him away to Ginger? That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. She but, said, you have to sleep with Ginger to save my reputation. <laughs> that's right. Oh, Val. But also think about when she was with Dylan while he was like – in a alcohol relapse like yeah yeah she would show up with pot because like she doesn't have the dependencies that dylan had and the problems mm-hmm. that dylan had and then when he went too far she just like didn't know what to do yeah and he was mean to her and she just stuck around so that she wasn't alone i think that's the thing is like she will latch on to companionship mm-hmm. you know like you said so she doesn't have to be alone but she's also had to go through some of her own trauma around heavy situations, like with her father and then now with Dylan and with David and, God, now Kenny. Like, so it is very – Colin. Colin, my God, yeah. Like, it is very easy to understand why Val is the way that she is. She kind of hasn't learned how to process trauma um, or – you know, be able to help somebody else who's going through trauma because she's just so dependent on that companionship. Man, Val, talk, poof. I know, right? Like Val and Kelly. Val is deep. (laughs) Val and Kelly, like, have been through so much. Like, I don't think they should, like, trauma dump on each other and, like, bond over all of that. But you'd think they could, like, really form a bond because they're probably the two best people to understand each other, except – it comes out in hatred and not yes. love. Yes. Which is classic. Girls got to be pit against each other. Like, yeah. Classic. Stupid. And yeah, it gets to this point that, you know, Val keeps saying all these things. David is not being receptive to going to the room. He wants to stay down in the casino and gamble. And I get it. Like, casinos are loud, they're meant to be like a distraction. They give you the free drinks that you stay at the table. Like, I get why he still wants to be there, but she's like, well, I've had enough. I want to go back to the room. And he's like, okay, fine. This is boring. I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. And then I got really scared because even now when, like, you have cell phones and, like, I've never let a friend just, like, go off by themselves, especially not in a place like Vegas. But, like, if I separate with, like, 
one group goes over here and one group goes over here, I'm going to be worried about the other group because I don't sure. physically have eyes on my friends. Yes, 100%. And I mean, like David is also projecting here a little bit because he had also taken a moment to call Donna, talking super fast, trying to get her to come out here, talking like he'll charter a plane for her and pit, like get a car to taxi her from the airport to Vegas, like all this stuff. And she's like, no, David, I'm not going to do that. You know, like you need to be careful. You need to call me when you get home, like that sort of thing. And he's just like, ugh, you know, she's treating me like a baby again. And then Val is just trying to look out for him. And then he accuses her of doing the exact same thing. So he bails. At which point he gets himself in so much trouble. So much trouble. I totally thought these were going to be undercover cops. Like I was not expecting them to be just shitty people who rob him. I I totally thought they were going to be undercover cops. Yeah, I I expected something bad was going to happen, but I kind of imagined like not like let's con him and drug him and steal all of his stuff. Like I thought that honestly they were going to tell him to like go back to their hotel and then like trap him and be like we're well, in the room now, you have to pay us and if you don't pay us, someone's mm-hmm. going to come beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Regardless, we all thought it was going to be a bad situation. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone sees that this is not going to go well except for David who is excited because these women want him to go to their hotel first to get some drinks. Yeah. And I know he's not in his right mind and he is very drunk, but I feel like if he saw that he was going to a seedy motel and not a nice casino, that he probably should have backpedaled at that point and been like, no, we're going to go to the Nugget and I'll buy us drinks there. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, again, this is like I can see this because I watched this sober at 9 o'clock in the morning and not drunk at 3 a.m. like with, you know, two beautiful women you just picked up outside of a taxi stand. Right, exactly. And like how could he have known? Like he, you know, he was trusting, he was excited, all of that. But yeah, like we don't even really see anything except him passed out Mm -hmm. um, because they slipped him something. They drugged him. Took all his money from his wallet, his credit cards, his clothes, because that's just funny. Shitty. Yeah, and he has a picture of Donna front his and center, wallet. front and center. Not his sisters, not his parents. Donna, not his like you know celebrity crush, sweet yeah. angel Donna. Not the photo that comes with the wallet, like I would have <laughs> yeah. had. Not nothing. at all which is what typical boys do donna yeah but yeah he had like thousands of dollars that they took Mm -hmm. from him and he finally wakes up the next morning because the blinds are open the sun's coming in he has this horrible hangover from all of the alcohol plus being drugged and when he like puts his hand up to his head is exactly when he realizes his watch isn't on his wrist Then he realizes he doesn't know where he is. Then he realizes his wallet is right next to him with nothing in it. And then he says, Donna, what did I do? Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, (laughs) the so-called friends are just acting real casual about where David has been for the last eight hours. Steve is like, he's only been gone eight hours. I know. And... Ray is the one who's like, that's messed up, and I'm going to call Donna. Yes, exactly. And she flies out. 
Like, yeah. Truly. And speaking of memorizing numbers, Ray has Donna's number memorized still. Yep. Or even though he is one one. Well, phone books exist. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But still, he could have. He could have. He called it plenty of times. I just keep forgetting phone books exist. Like, but also, like, think about it. When we were kids and had landlines and stuff, we memorized phone numbers. Yeah, I. Your parents made you memorize your phone number. Like, if you dialed a friend's number enough times, you just had it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I have Mary's number memorized because I used to have to call it from a cell phone that was not mine, and it hasn't changed since high school. Yeah, it's also only like four numbers total, so it's really convenient thank you for that yeah I will forever and ever remember my friend from high school's number because I'm not gonna say it on air but it was like (laughs) say it two numbers (laughs) I'll tell you guys later (laughs) yeah no I've gotten very lucky that a lot of people's numbers are like really simple it's either like the same number repeated a bunch of times Like, I'm pretty sure my high school boyfriend's number had, like, six threes in it. Like, I really did not have to do that much work. Yes. But, yeah, you asked me today, like, I don't know your number, Caitlin. It's always been in my phone. Why would I have to know it? Couldn't tell you what yours started with, and I live in Atlanta, and you do too. Yeah, we've got, like, four options, maybe. Yeah. Probably just the two. Is it 770? Is it 678? Like, which one? None (laughs) of them. What? (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know. There's a new one now, and I don't know what that is. Could be 706, because that's like Athens, Augusta. Mm. Well, I'm not from Athens, Augusta. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, like, my whole thing with this whole situation was, like, why did they need to call out Donna, like, to get here? Like, why couldn't they handle the situation? But Val does say, like, he will not talk to anybody except Donna. So I guess that answers that. What I think is interesting is by the time she gets there, they have found him. Yes. And then – yeah, they're like, he won't talk to anybody but you. And Tana's just like, you let this happen. You didn't act like his friends. Like, yeah, I would have been like, too bad. Go talk to him. Mm-hmm. Make him talk to you. Yeah. I don't care. I had to fly to Vegas, which, you know, thankfully thankfully, from L.A. is only like two hours. Mm-hmm. But ridiculous. And then, oh, the moment when Val says he's up in our room and Donna goes, our room and what room is our room that killed me i'm like who is this like is kelly taylor here (laughs) (laughs) donna is fed up i felt bad because like i didn't realize at first this was going to be as emotional of a scene Mm -hmm. as it was which i should have expected this is on me But as soon as she gets into that suite and you saw that the bed is fuzzy and round and has that giant fuzzy headboard, I lost it. I was like, where am I? 1996. (laughs) But like we've seen fancy hotel rooms all over the place. Where are they? They are in like a theme room. Yeah. No, very true. Very true. But yeah, it is a lot more emotional than you might expect. Like, David is crying. And we've seen David cry a few times, right? Like, we've seen him cry when Scott died. We've seen him cry 
Just a few episodes ago when his grandfather died. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like completely out of the realm of possibility for us to have seen David cry. But he's crying in a much more intense and emotional way, which is right on with, I think, Mary's observation from last week when we talked about his like visceral reaction and just this manic all the way down to depression, you know, just the huge, huge swing in emotion. And I got to say, like, Brian Austin Green has been delivering in full this season, like being able to not only portray a person experiencing these types of mood swings, making it feel extremely natural is what's getting me. You know, it's like we recognize he is acting quote unquote differently, but he's making me feel like it is real, like that David Silver is a real human being and he is having a manic depressive episode, you know, and, and and just kind of the slow burn up into these like big swings. Huge props, huge props. Yeah. I mean, like right before we started recording, we were just talking about how like it's great to see how a scene can go from like on paper to what you see on the screen and like knowing how much an actor has put into this. And I mean, yeah, imagine being Brian Austin Green, who is like, you know, done the things as David that he's done in the past couple seasons and like he's been through a lot as David and now they're just like okay you know like we're gonna really like introduce your mom character she's gonna have manic depression she's gonna be in a manic episode and we're gonna reveal that you have it and then like from now until it actually like exposes itself you are gonna have to play this Mm -hmm. like he has been doing this presumably for like a year yeah I don't remember exactly what season, what episode it was that they went to Portland, but like, imagine being Brian Austin Green having to like build this into your character and like know yeah. this is coming and act it out and like, yeah, he's doing so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm impressed. Like, I felt so bad, and then he keeps talking about he's like, I'm losing it, I need help, you know. Donna says she's never going to let this happen to him again, which I don't think is a fair thing for her to say, and it's not on her. Like, that's just not the – that's going to put a, an issue into your relationship, I think, which yeah. whether or not the show addresses that, I don't know. Uh, but I just really needed them to call his mother. Like, it's not going well when you call Mel. Either Mel does nothing or Mel does the wrong thing by trying to get lawyers involved. Yeah. Like – Call his mom, who I know he has a complicated relationship with, but no, she knows exactly what he's going through. I think that's the biggest thing, too, is like, Mel, I mean, gosh, we asked this when, we asked this when David was going through the meth storyline. We're like, where is Mel? Mm -hmm. Why can't these kids tell the parents? You know, and, and that is a very common theme in any teen drama. Like, where yep. are the parents? It just is. So I'm not I'm not mad at it because <laughs> I understand it. But yeah, but I totally agree. Like, we had Mel in this storyline for a minute, but he took it the complete wrong direction. Even after understanding both that David has a dependency problem as well as his mom's manic depression. So. You just would have expected the parent to play the parent and not pawn these things off or or 
almost like use kid gloves with it and use his friends to handle it. You know, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's like taking it too far, but it just it almost seems like he's not really being the parent. He's just trying to get the kids to just watch out for him. Mm hmm. Yeah. No, I, that's exactly it. And like you said, like it's a teen show. I just watched the episodes of Degrassi where Paige is in a relationship with the student teacher and has to admit that she's in a relationship at school. And she's like, we don't need my parents. I'm going to transfer schools. <laughs> Literally, she says, I don't need my parents. Yes, honey, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just really sad for David. I feel for him in a big way. And I... I almost find myself like at that end scene, just like echoing, like, help him. Somebody help him. Help him. He's asking yeah. for help. Help him. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how we handle this storyline next week because, mm -hmm. like, you got to call a parent, but that hasn't been going so well. But Donna can't handle it. And, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm Mary, maybe you can speak to this. I really don't know if there's a one answer to this but just because David has realized that like something bad has happened to him like I don't know that that necessarily means that he's done in this emotional state yeah probably not uh just depends on like his brain chemistry but um what he should do is go to therapy and really what he should have done is gone to therapy way sooner and gotten assessed for this yeah back when mel mentioned it like seasons ago yeah it feels like when i feel like it was after the meth when he was like um i just worry about you because like your mom and this can mm. cause that to like exhibit sooner than it would normally Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he probably should have gotten assessed then because he might have been having symptoms this whole time, just not as exaggerated. Mm. Yeah. Well, and yeah, he was in therapy at that time. I really wish like he had felt encouraged to get that evaluation. And maybe he specifically didn't do it because he didn't want to know. I can also sure. see that being a thing because like I avoid things like there's literally no tomorrow and I never have to deal with them. So, yeah. you know, I just, yeah, I'm really worried now that, like, this is just, like, he's temporarily sober in the light of day, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that, yeah, his brain chemistry has balanced out or, like, shifted to a different extreme because it's not just that he's sober. Like, yeah, you know, with alcohol, with meth, with all that, when you come down, like, you do have a little bit of clarity. Yeah. This is completely different. Yeah, I, I I kind of appreciate, though, that we're getting a lot more, like, with each episode, we're getting a little bit more insight into it. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm hopeful because of that, we're going to get more insight to recovery or to acknowledging, you know, like, because, yeah, it's not just something you're just done with. Yeah. You know, once you recognize what it is. Yeah. And I mean, we're still very early in the season. Like, this could easily yeah. be a major part of david's like final year of college or whatever year right. he's in yeah we're literally like a third of the way through this yeah. season <laughs> which also i don't think this is like the best time to bring it up but i can't think of another mm -hmm. segue i have to talk about 
David's ID. Oh my gosh, yes. Let's talk about David's ID. Yeah, we'll post a screenshot on social media, but thankfully Mary posted it in our group chat and I mean, it's got to be a fake and he's got to be underage, but it is both the best and worst fake <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> Just spoiler alert, sex female. <laughs> sex female, height 5'7", weight 110. Yep. Date of birth, 929, presumably 69. They cut off that last number, but even if it's 69, that would make him 27. <laughs> and he has blonde hair. I don't know. Maybe he does when it's not so close cropped to his head, but he's not 5'7". He definitely no. isn't 110 pounds. <laughs> no. And last I checked, he's not a female. Yeah, last I checked. Yeah, this show would not handle that well. No. If that was the case. No, no. Don't um birthdays on IDs usually have the full year? Yes. So, yeah. I'm just wondering if he was just like he's just from the year 6000. It's fine. <laughs> oh, it's the Jewish birthday. <laughs> but like Yeah, it is either a real lazy prop where they just like got somebody's id made a copy of it and put david silver and then his photo on it because that's a real address i looked it up is it really yeah it's like a residential street too that and david silver are the only things they got right <laughs> yeah and like there's the photo there's david silver everything else is garbage mm -hmm. and so i think my uh, canon, headcanon, is that this has been a fake for a while that he has had and he's just gotten lucky with the fact that he mostly drinks at the pee pad. Yeah, that's true. He hasn't really needed it. But he buys tequila so that he can have his lukewarm margaritas at home. How is he getting away with this? And who knows? I mean, I guess you know, when Mary sent the screenshot, I zoomed in on his date of birth long before I saw that it said he was a 5'7", 110-pound female. I immediately saw a sex female and died. <laughs> no, I, like, started at the date of birth and moved backwards from there. I was like, David's not 110 pounds. Mm -hmm. He was maybe 110 pounds in season one. Right. That's highly possible. But not now. Caitlin, do you have a quote of the week? Sure do, and we have not talked about it. Oh, wow. I feel like I'm not good at writing quotes and then not talking about them. I really didn't have that much. Oh, okay. I have one quote that I wrote down that we didn't talk about. Okay. It's at the very beginning of the episode when Steve is like, I don't understand why you would stay home instead of going to Vegas. When you think about it, we're two really different people. And Brandon just goes, I try not to think about it. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. It was reminiscent of the, like, Brandon listen, Like, you can be the best Steve you can be. Yep. Okay. So when Brandon was telling his new friend that we'll never see again, Melanie, about his future in politics or his political dreams or whatever – um, she says, how high do you want to go? And Brandon says, as high as I can get, without inhaling, of course. That was good, too. That was good. And then 
My other one is a Brandon quote. It's when Munz comes to pick up uh, Steve's <laughs> paper to turn it in. And just um, Brandon hands it to him and uh, Munz just stands there at the door with his hand out. And Brandon <laughs> just goes, no tip, and slaps his hand and then closes mm-hmm. the door. That was also hilarious. That was a very good one. Any others? I don't think so. I think that's all I had. Well, none of although those were great, none of them were my quote of the week. My quote of the week, unfortunately, gave me hope for stare again. Oh no! Because it was right after like Claire was trying to figure out what the significance of three was, and she like wants to go back down the the casino and steve says lead on you sexy swami and they just go downstairs yeah weirdos such weirdos but they're weirdos together and why do i love them why you know what else was cute when they follow her hunch the first time and it just Mm -hmm. doesn't pan out and steve's like well let's go back to our room because you can definitely get lucky there or whatever it was he said like stop right (laughs) Just just stop. <laughs> but yeah, that was it. Mary, do you have a petty gripe or a moment of the week? Um, I had so much fun taking notes for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to just read you one, I think, because um, this moment of David driving down the highway with the Vegas crew. Um, so my notes start, who made Claire wear her hair down in the back seat? Because mm. they're in a convertible. Um, David wants to know how fast this car can go. Literally no one is wearing their seatbelts until Val is like, yes, David, speed. <laughs> and David's like, everyone have their seatbelts on? Bruh, those are not going to help you. You are in a car without a roof. <laughs> So I guess that's my petty gripe of the week. Yep. Makes sense. Drove me nuts that you had to see all of them buckle their seatbelts. Like, mm-hmm. come on. And that it was so blatant. Like, we got, yeah. like, a, they had to reset that. I know. <laughs> to, like, keep going. It was so ridiculous. Like, was that a studio note that Fox was just like, we have to make sure everybody knows they're wearing their seatbelts. It's like, just have them wear their seatbelts. Yeah. (laughs) I don't understand why it was a thing. Ugh. Well, okay. Caitlin, what is next week's episode? Yes. Next week is season seven, episode 11, If I Had a Hammer. No, I got nothing. All I can think of is that song, If I Had a Million Dollars, which David doesn't have money anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, he probably has some money. I don't think he spent all of it, but he he spent a good chunk of it and then had a good bit of it robbed or True. gambled. So, yeah, I don't know. There's I, I got nothing with hammers. The only thing my, I can think of is that Ray used to do construction. <laughs> but, God, please, can I just not see him again? Thank you. I, I think I think we're done with Jamie Walters. I'm not 100% sure, but I, I'm pretty positive we're done. What if he shows up in, like, season 10? 
He plays at so-and-so's wedding. (laughs) (laughs) He gives Donna away. Yeah. (laughs) It's Dr. Dad on one side and Ray on the other. (laughs) Felice is thrilled. (laughs) What if we, like, get Donna's wedding and all of her ex-boyfriends are just, like, slowly giving her away? God. Oh my god. Just Fireman Cliff at the end. Oh, he picks her up and carries her onto the altar. Yes. And Joe is like somehow leading. He's the officiant. <laughs> like Joe's the coach. He's on the <laughs> sidelines. He's their wedding coach. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, he ties the rings to a football and throws them down the aisle. (laughs) Hey, Cliff, catch. I don't know why I came with a southern accent. (laughs) Everyone has a southern accent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I guess we'll find out who has a hammer next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. Also, you can shoot us over an email if you want to with any of your thoughts, questions, comments, or concerns at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community, and then we can give y'all a better product. And if you leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate that. So. Until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm going to go try that fancy wine I've always wanted to try. I got to go gamble $10,000 so my hotel room is free. I got to go shoot a few extra minutes of Vegas B-roll. Bye. (laughs) Bye. See ya.